You're listening to The Nancy Gaines Show. The goal of this podcast is to help business owners be successful and gain the advantage. Nancy has helped some of today's top Fortune 500 companies across a wide spectrum of industries work through their toughest challenges. She can help you too. So if you can't find the solutions you need, there are no more books to read or workshops to attend. The Nancy Gaines Show can be the difference between your success and failure. And now your host, Nancy Gaines. Hi, this is Nancy Gaines, and welcome to the Nancy Gaines Show, where we provide actionable ideas for entrepreneurs to grow their business and be even more productive. The focus of today's podcast is all about how it's possible to turn a hobby into a profitable business. I'm super excited to have a very special guest with me, Sue Monheit. Let me tell you all about her. She is known as the Gift Biz Gal and has been consulting with retail and online businesses for over 25 years. Additionally, she has started two multi-six-figure companies of her own. She's been identified as an industry trendsetter and now focuses on the gifting, baking, crafting, and making spaces. She's a leader in helping entrepreneurs set up their businesses to become profitable and a sustainable entity. Pulling from her vast experience, Sue now guides people who have a hobby or creative passion that they want to turn into a business. And the Ribbon Print Company is a major sponsor of her Gift Biz Unwrapped podcast. Welcome, Sue. Thanks for sharing part of your day. What else do you want to add to that introduction? Thank you, Nancy. I am super excited, and I think you have wrapped it all up with a bow. That's perfect. Exactly what you said. Oh, that's cute. Wrapped it up with a bow. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I love how that all ties together. So lots of people want to own their own company, and you have three ways to identify what business they should start. Can you talk about some of those ways to give people some ideas? Yeah, you know, it's so interesting because a lot of people will say, oh, you know what, I love the idea of starting my own business, but oh my gosh, I don't know what it should be. Like, I don't know where to start. And I get that. I mean, that's kind of where I was once upon a time when I was thinking of going into my own business. So um, I started this podcast a while ago. My podcast is called Gift Biz Unwrapped. And about I'd say about 70 shows in, I started saying to myself, wait a minute, I'm starting to see trends here. Because one of the questions that I ask is, you know, how did you start your business? How did you decide this was what it was going to be? And three things kept coming up over and over again. It was really interesting. And so from there, I started confirming the idea. Like every time I interviewed someone, I was checking to see if it was going to fall into one of these three categories, and indeed it was. And would you like me to share with you what these categories are? Absolutely. Okay, so the first category is something you loved as a child. And if you think about it, when you go way back, there were things that you loved to do that were just innate. You didn't have any of these social pressures on you or anything. You could just be whoever you were in your core. You know, maybe it was acting. Maybe it was writing or drawing or being an artist or that type of thing or cooking in the kitchen. And a lot of people have drawn back on some of those pleasures that they had when they were a child, even though during their career they were lawyers or doctors or, you know, something – more professional that seems like a more quote-unquote worthy career, if you will. So that's the first one, and, and I'll give you the second one here too. The second is 
something that just makes your heart beat faster. You know, it's something that you love. And the best way I can describe this one for you is right after my husband and I got married, we were driving around the streets of Provence. You know, we were on a tour in France. How lucky was I? Love, love, love that. And we turned the corner, and I had a physical reaction. My heart started beating faster because I saw this whole display of provincial linens, you know, the blues and the yellows and the sunflower prints and all of that. It physically gave me a reaction. So I tell people who are looking to decide what type of a thing they might be interested in um, pursuing as a career, Look into yourself. If you go into a store and you see pottery or, you know, whatever it is, is there something that causes a physical reaction in you which tells you that for whatever reason you're just bound to that? You know, whether for me it was the um, linens of Provence, but for someone else, of course, it would be something else. So that's number two is a physical reaction. And then number three is a situation that presents itself as an idea. And I see this with so many people that I've interviewed. I've, I'll give you um, an example here too. There is a gentleman who was walking through the kitchen one holiday season, and interestingly enough, we're recording right now while it's the holidays. I know that the show is going to go live later, but his wife was making holiday cookies, and she was doing those cutout cookies. And, you know, it takes a lot of work doing all the cutout type things that she's, that she's doing. And he was so interested in having the cookies to eat fast. He wanted to see her be able to make them faster. And hence, he ended up creating the, this whole cookie cutter system. It's called Cookies in a Snap that created a product. I have another person that I've interviewed who had a pair of jeans and some boots that she'd used for years. And you know us as women when we have this clothing. You know, after a few years, we get tired of it. We need updates, right? Right. But she didn't want to buy anything new. How could she update what she had? She ended up creating a fashion accessory for women called Cuffs, which both updates her jeans and her boots. They're like fabric wraps. It's a little bit hard to explain right here, but it's like fabric wraps, but in all different styles, really upscale to upgrade boots or jeans and make them look a whole different style. So that's situational. So in summary, it's really these these three things, these three categories where most people are finding out how to identify something that is really going to work for them the long, long term. And the trick really is it's got to be something that, and I tell people this all the time, don't just start a business because you want to make money. Because if that's really your end goal, when things get really tough, if there's not something deeper than that, it's, you're not going to have the stamina to carry through. Things do get tough as entrepreneurs, for sure. The beginning years, I, I look back at my own years, and it was, it was really, really tough. And I come from the corporate background where I consulted to CEOs of Fortune companies. You know, if I have trouble, imagine people who don't have the business background. So, Sue, how, do, how can people determine if what they're doing is a hobby versus a business? Well, I see the transition point is really when you make your first dollar. And I don't mean when you just someone hands you a dollar. It's when you're actually making your first dollar as profit. So taking out, you know, expenses, time, you know, all of that type of thing. I don't know if we're going to get into some of that, you know, in terms of 
are preventatives from keep people being successful. But in terms of the business, actually being a business versus just a hobby is when you're actually starting to see a positive bank account. That's a really good metric. I like that. And since you brought it up, we can definitely go there. Why don't we talk about some of the whatever you had on your mind about that? Okay, well, I was just thinking that um, this could be something good to bring up here, you know, while you're saying, you know, how does someone determine, you know, how to identify it, and then how can you actually define whether it's a business or not. There are three things that really within my area of these creators, this type of community, and I'm meaning creators and artists like hands-on because they have a product, right? Not a digital product, but a live tangible product. There are three things that happen. First, and this is just heartbreaking to me, is I'll give you a little story here. Let's say you and your friend Nancy were having coffee, and you saw your friend had a scarf, and it was beautiful, and you're like, oh, my gosh, you compliment her on her scarf. That's such a pretty scarf. And she says, oh, I made this. And, and you're like, oh, my gosh, that was beautiful. My sister's birthday is coming up. Is there a chance you could make one? I'll pay you for it, because I know she would just love this scarf too. And so, you, you know, she makes it for you. You do a transaction. You pay her a little bit of money. Now she starts thinking, hmm, maybe I could do this as a business, right? But she's never had to know anything about a business before. You know, she knows all the textures of the yarn. She knows the needles she needs. She knows the stitches. She knows the time. She knows the colors. You know, all of these skills that an artist has, never in the past had they need to know about business before, And so that's a downfall because they don't know how to price products necessarily, which is the second thing. You know, they, you know, as artists, one of the biggest things I see is people don't account for their time. They don't put the value on the time because it's only their time, right? I mean, they're not having to. Pricing is hard for everybody, but especially for people that are creative because they, what I've seen is they just want people to be happy and they're, they feel awkward asking for money because it's just their natural talent. Do you see that as well? You are completely right on. That's ex- you landed it, exactly. And they feel almost guilty for charging because what comes so naturally to them, they don't see having as much value. Now, all of us, I mean, I'm not a potter. I can knit, but not that. I mean, I haven't knit forever, but you know, I can do some artisty type things. But when I see someone like a potter with a talent that I don't have, their pieces are beautiful. And I would definitely pay you know, not over total overpriced, but I'll pay for unique items for sure. But that person who made it, it comes so naturally to them, and they've been doing it for a while, so they know what they're doing. They forget that that came with a cost to them. They needed to learn too. Right. You know, how many misshapen pots did they throw away before they really landed their craft? You know, and all of that gets forgotten when it comes to here's a beautiful pot that I made. Do you want to, you know, and they're selling it for a price. So pricing is second. And then third, and this is also really interesting within this area, is scaling. Because what happens to creators is the more they sell, the more work they've just made for them because they have to make what they've just sold. So there's an issue with productivity in terms of time here, too. They're selling and then they're having to put in more time actually producing as well. One thing I've always asked my clients is if you were fortunate enough to get 1,000 new clients today, what would break? What, what, who or what would break? Is it, you know, would you go nuts? Would your systems break down? Would your distribution? So that's a, scaling is something people don't think about until it's right there. 
You are so right. That's really smart, Nancy. You're absolutely right. And you want to think of that before. You want, you want to get to that point if you want to grow. Not everyone's goal is to grow huge, but if you're wanting to grow, you, are, you need to think about that beforehand, at least so you're ready, right. you know, so you know what actions you're going to need to take if and when that happens. Otherwise, it sneaks up on you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We talk a lot about that around the holiday season because people are mass producing because a lot of people are going out and selling at holiday craft shows. And so how, you know, and then all of a sudden after the holidays, what if, what if there's one product that you find is so popular with everybody? How are you going to get more of those so that you can take advantage of those sales? How are you going to create more of those quickly so that you can, you know, sell more during the season when people are buying? So, but all of those things, just to your point, need to be thought about when you're calm and peaceful, not when you're in panic mode, so at least you have the plan together. You know what to do. You know, there's a lot of things, even if it's not actually the hands-on, there's a lot of things in your business that if you need other people to come in and support and help, even if it's short-term, you know, if you've identified them, then they can come in and do it. It's not necessarily all the making of the craft. So I like that you bring up craft shows, you know, very timely given it's the holiday seasons. You say that you teach people how to actually be profitable, you know, leave the trade show with real results. Can you share some of those tips? Because I know so many people spend thousands of dollars to get a table, and then they come home frustrated like, I didn't get any sales. What's going on? Oh, it's so sad. It's so sad. And, you know, I see this. I'll tell you the biggest thing I see, the biggest thing. Um, and not even at your local craft shows, at some of these large shows too, like the New York Now show that I go to. Um, I'm out at a lot of trade shows throughout the year, and then also the smaller craft shows because that's how I interact with my audience, understand needs, you know, learn what's going on, seeing you know, trigger points, all of that. The number, well, we've talked about pricing. I'm gonna, apart from some of the other things we've talked about, when someone's actually at a show, and I bet you've seen this if you go out to any of the craft shows, is so many people just sit behind the table on their phone talking with a partner if they have someone you know, working their booth with them. You know, they're just talking amongst themselves and not interacting with a customer. Oh, for sure. It's and you see like it. they're hiding. Yeah, it's well, like, and it's just like, okay, here's what I've got. If you want it, let me know. Yeah. Yeah, if you exactly. want it, knock on my, you know, knock on the table, and, and you know, they don't even look up and acknowledge. So, and part of it is, you know, the thing that's so cool about craft shows is you get to see the creator. You know, you can hear the story about how they got started, or you can get to know their their favorite color or pottery. Since we were just talking about it, you know, or their favorite piece and why it's their favorite. Maybe it relates to something with you know, their grandmother or something like that. And stories behind pieces sell like crazy. And getting people to know you as the artist sells also because it becomes personal then. So that's, that's part of it. The other thing is still in this human interaction type of a category, I guess I'll call it, is if you're fortunate enough where your table is swamped, there are so many people there, couple of things. One is making sure that it's very clear, number one, what you sell and what the prices are so that someone isn't having to wait to ask you because people will leave. They don't have time. You know, they're not just going to sit and wait 10 minutes for you. They're going to move on to something else. And also acknowledging people. Let's say you're, um, I tell people all the time, if you're four or five deep 
that's okay. Just acknowledge everybody. You know, say, oh, I'm so glad you're going to love these. I'm so glad you're here. I'll get to everyone as quickly as I can. And eye contact with each and every person. Thank you so much for coming. I'll be with you in a second. And if you have someone else working with you, they can actually get out behind the desk. Nothing says you have to stay behind your table. And just interact with people. Interact with customers. It's not that hard. But so many people don't do it. Oh, it's such a pet peeve of mine. I can barely stand it. <laughs> can you tell? <laughs> yes, yes. So what about that middle ground? When I walk through a trade show, sometimes there's those people that feel, what's a good word? Predatory is a little strong, but they're like a little too over the top, and you're like, I don't want to talk to them because they're going to sell me something. So how do, you, how do you blend, don't sit behind the table with, I've got people five deep, that kind of guy who wants to engage, but he's a little over the top. The guy that you want to get away from as soon as you can. Yeah, how do you right? kind of how do you not be that guy but not be the don't come talk to me guy or girl? Well, you know, you don't even have to talk all about your product either. You know, I think first of it all, it's acknowledging that someone's actually standing and looking at your product. You know, it could be, hey, how are you enjoying the show today? You know, what other things have you seen that you've liked? You know, and then if you see that they're looking at something, you can say, um, oh, that's one of my favorite pieces. Here's why. Listen, I'm going to let you look around at your own leisure. You know, just enjoy my pieces. If you have any questions, I'm here for you. You know, that way you can also cover other people. So you've identified them. You've shared a little bit. Maybe talk about a special. Not every single special there might be. You know, just a little bit of information. And then after that, it's intuition. You know, do oh, they awesome. want to talk more? You can, in, and that's pretty easy to sell. It's easy to see. They're either ready to ask you another question or they actually walk into your booth to look at more. And then let them do that. Let them do that. That's perfect. Love that. Those are really easy tips because it can be a little intimidating, both being as the shopper and the one selling stuff in a trade show. You know, it's a big space and there's loud music. and So those are really actionable productivity tips people can use. How about um, how about you tell us about your podcast? You even have a sponsor. That is super cool. <laughs> well, my sponsor is my other company, <laughs> which I don't, you know, I'm, I'm seeing more people doing this now, but my other company is called the Ribbon Print Company, and um, I am so happy about that company because it's developed to a point where not that I'm not around and, and in, you know, involved in the company a lot. I don't have to be there all the time. But it was through actually at trade shows, and <laughs> we were just talking about that, that I identified that a lot of people in the industry that we've been talking about don't know the business side. I didn't know that before. Um, and that happened because people would come up to the booth and we'd want to talk about ribbon printing and then we'd want to ask them about their business first because we want to, whatever we're going to say needs to relate. And then we'd hear people saying, well, when I want to start my business or, um, oh, I've started, but when I'm making enough money in my business. And then we'd dig a little deeper and find that there were you know, some flaws with what, the way they were putting together their business or they hadn't approached something that could really help them build their business. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, this like, light bulb moment, what does Oprah call it, the aha moment? I'm like, I know these things because these are things I was exposed to when I was in the corporate world years ago. Plus, now I've built a couple of other businesses that have grown and made, you know, are profitable. And so I, that's when I decided I'm starting a podcast. I'm going to start interviewing people who have been successful to show other people how to do it. And so that's how the podcast started. It's called Gift Biz Unwrapped. And 
I interview people who are creators and makers and bakers, and we talk about their journey, you know, how they got started, what have been their challenges, what they've learned, advice for newbies, all that type of thing. And I don't know, you're probably like me, Nancy, but when I am done recording the show, you know, I always when I'm on a show, like I want to get the best information I can out of my guest for my listeners. You know, it's about the guest, but it's really about the listeners, right? And every time I hit that end button, I just like get this little shiver. Like I'm like, they delivered. It's perfect. It's what my audience needs, and I'm so proud. So if anyone wants to check it out, it's Gift Biz Unwrapped. (laughs) That is awesome. Plus, I'm still kind of thinking, how smart to have your own company sponsor because one, people are like, wow, you have a sponsored show. That's really cool. And two, it's a great way to help more people and serve people with your business. I didn't even think about doing that. Yeah, I'm starting to see a lot more people doing that. They're getting away from a lot of the extra sponsors. I mean, in some cases, it's the right thing to do. You know, if you're showing business development and you need to have, you know, you need to be showing WordPress sites or, you know, whatever it is, you know, that makes sense to me. But for me, also because that's how I was getting the money. I mean, podcasts can be inexpensive to produce, but there is money involved. And, you know, everyone does things differently. I mean, my podcast takes some money. You know, I have a VA who edits, you know, that type of thing. That money's coming from somewhere. I I didn't start actually monetizing my gift biz brand until just last year, and I've been podcasting almost three years. So keeping that up and running had to come from somewhere. So you take that as an expense deduction in your gift biz, and you send the money to your podcast. Is that right? Mm Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, the expenses in ribbon print. It's still I'm I've kept it all under one entity so far right now. Eventually I'll split it off, but I haven't yet. Yeah, that is brilliant. I really like that. And also you've got a new course coming out, a new membership site. Do you want to talk about that too? Yeah. Um when I started the podcast, the other thing, you know, after that aha moment I had, that other idea that was really in my head is I want to build a step-by-step course that walks everybody through how to start a business in this crafter industry. Like literally, step one, here's what you need to do. Step two, here's what you need to do. And so I've built a course. It's called Gift Biz Builder. And it takes people through right from the beginning, actually with the idea. Let's make sure that this idea is really right for you. Like if you're thinking you're going to go into a brick-and-mortar shop Think about the fact that someone's got to be there from 10 to 4, you know, like all those types of things. So identifying the right thing all the way through literally everything you need to do with your business. I'm not going to go through all of it right now. Um, And then at the end, it's, okay, now how do you stay relevant? You know, if you were selling VHS tapes, you're not probably very relevant anymore in this day. You know, so depending on what your product is, how do you make sure you stay profitable, alive, and relevant so you're business is sustainable for the future. So I, yes. So last year I beta tested the program. I had about 20 people in the, in the program and they gave me feedback and thoughts and, you know, I wanted to know number one, that it was good information, you know, cause you always, you know, imposter syndrome, you know, you never know. Um, so we did that and then I got all that validation and just last week, which will be, I think a couple months out from when the, this, um, episode goes live, 
but we just turned it into a membership site because what I've heard is there's so much information there that there needs to be some Q&A together and all of that. So I've turned it into a membership site, so it's the course. I do weekly Q&As with the community, so there's coaching, um, just a number of different things. So it's developing. I'm totally thrilled with what's been happening with it, so very excited about it. Excellent. So, so how can people find out about that? So that's over at giftbizunwrapped forward slash giftbizbuilder. But I also put together a page um, just for this show, Nancy, um, and that link is giftbizunwrapped.com forward slash Nancy Gaines. And right there are three different buttons. One is to my podcast. I'd love for any of um, our listeners to go over and take a listen to the show. And then the second button goes over to a quiz um, about you know, how advanced, how far along are you in your business. And this is not one of those quizzes. You know how you do quizzes and it's like, okay, now your results are going to post all over right. social media. Right. It's not one of those because that's not the point. The point is for you to have more insight, you know, the person who's doing it to have insight into their business. And then that third button is the Gift Biz Builder Program button. Awesome. That's really, really cool. People, go check that out because especially if you're a creative, because, which is what a gifting, baking, crafting, and making space is, right? A creative? Right. Mm-hmm. If you're a creative, you should be focusing on being creative and not focusing on how to run a business if it's not your core superpower. That's what I teach my clients as well. So check this out. It sounds like an amazing, amazing product. Are you ready for the fun question, Sue? I am ready for the fun question. Everybody gets it. It's a signature podcast question. So if you had one more hour in your day, 25 hours every day, how would you spend the extra hour? Do I have to be honest or what I should do? <laughs> you can <have> two <laughs> answers if you want. Well, what I should do is take some time for myself. But what I would do is more work because I love what I do. And I'm trying, I'm trying this next year. You talk about productivity and all of that. I am trying to back away a little bit sometimes and take some time off because we all know that if we take some time away, that's when some of the best ideas come forth. That's when you get new ideas. That's when you rejuvenate, you know, and come back, and I'm not very good at that yet. So that's there, I, I gave you both, what I should do and what I would do. That's a great answer, and that's hard <laughs> to get away because I love my business. I love serving my clients, and it's, I have to remind myself, too, to recharge at times because you're just so passionate about, about things, right? Right, right. But you burn, even if you're passionate and love what you're doing, there is still burnout. You just that get tired true. sometimes. Well, we're recording this over the holidays, so hopefully everyone will take a few days off and, and recharge and then start 2018 with a We have a whole new year. Isn't it exciting? It is exciting. I'm looking forward to it. Is there anything else that you want to cover? You've got so much information, and I know we've got limited time. What else do you want to just share before we wrap up? I think that I would like to just say on behalf of all small businesses, I I guess I'll stick with creatives because that's more my area of expertise. But I think a lot of people feel like they're the inferior, you know, just because the size of our businesses is smaller, right, that we're the inferior business, if you will. And I've come out of working with some large businesses, just like you have, Nancy, and, you know, but more from the retail side, from, from, um, 
you know, storefronts and, you know, fulfillment centers and all of that, you know what? They face the same problems that we do. They have the same challenges that we do, and they have one more thing. They have this big hierarchy of an organization where anything that they want to change takes forever. When we have a small business, we can change on a dime, and that's one of the biggest things we have. So if small businesses of all kinds can just think, you know, this is an opportunity for us, it's not a hindrance. Our size is not a hindrance in that way. And that became so clear to me over time and continues to be the same. You know, just, just look at social media. Look at how quickly all of us as small businesses jumped on to, you know, the newest you know, Instagram stories or whatever it is, and all of these bigger companies, because they're so afraid of what their employees might say, take a long time to actually interact with that. We have huge advantages if we just recognize and use them. I love that. Wow, no one has ever said that. And now that you put it into words, that totally makes sense. That is really good. And uh, plus, we can decide who we want to work with and who we don't want to work with, whereas big corporations don't really have that luxury. You're right. Yeah, you're of the right. I love being an entrepreneur. Sue, thanks so much for taking time to be on the show. Lots of great stuff. Listeners, go check out her website and and see if any of that material can just really escalate your own business. I just added some rapid results days on my calendar for the first quarter. This is where you and I work together in just one day to really accelerate your business. Instead of coaching over months or even weeks, go to nancygaines.com slash rapid results to learn more. And if you love this show, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. Helps other people find us. And until next time, go out and gain the advantage. You've been listening to The Nancy Gaines Show, where you can gain the advantage. To schedule a VIP strategy day or speed consulting session with Nancy, connect with her on her website, nancygaines.com. That's Nancy, G-A-I-N-E-S, dot com. On Twitter, Nancy L. Gaines. And on LinkedIn, Nancy Gaines. Be sure to check back on Nancy's website for new episodes. Until next time, you've been listening to The Nancy Gaines Show. Go out and gain the advantage.